0: If you've got a Bible, you might want to scroll um, or turn to Ephesians 2, but I warn you, it will do you no good at all, because I'm going to be unpacking Ephesians 2 from the street Bible this morning, mainly for the young'uns like Bill, Harold and Les. Um, I've deliberately missed out the ladies. Um, well, good morning again. We're back in Ephesians, continuing our sermon series, Dunamis, a Greek word meaning power, might. Um, and 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 Jesus said, Jesus said this, didn't he? Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things. I believe, Jubilee, this is the season we're in. This is the season we're in right now. And we're emerging from and going into as we emerge from lockdown. I am so looking forward to meeting you all face to face on Sundays. It's coming soon. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing your legs again. I am really in, in the right kind of way. But I tell you what I'm looking forward to the most. I really mean this. You, all of you, carrying the dunamis power of God to everyone, everywhere, as the church is fully released again. That's what's exciting me the most. This season of stripping away all the other stuff has been for the purpose of showing you that you, Jubilee, have received power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That's what this morning uh, is being celebrated throughout Uh, All the churches globally, Pentecost Sunday, you have received power when the Holy Spirit came upon you, and you will be my witnesses, Jubilee. In Teesside, this nation and the nations. That's what's happened when me and some of you prayed for Billy, my 70-plus-year-old overweight neighbour who God healed as he lay there in COVID ITU in James Cook, beyond all the odds. That's what happened to Sam and Becker as Jonathan and Angela prayed for jobs for them. That's what happened when Sean met Sue at Hope House after years of violence and imprisonment and drugs and the world telling him that he was worthless. That's what's happening right here now as people are coming to faith and being healed in the car park of King's Church Darlington or on our Alpha courses. Or if you're not a Christian listening to this this morning could happen to you today here now I got this message from an older lady recently who was listening to me unpacking baptism which I am baptism in the holy spirit which I amazingly did in five minutes wow but you wish that today was that day um in a local Anglican church and she wrote this to me I just wanted to let you know after years of praying, she's in her seventies, this lady Anne, after years of praying to be able to speak in tongues after your most moving services, after your most moving services, service, our Anglican friends are very polite, I found myself praising the Lord in tongues straight after the service. God bless you Raj, I've been truly blessed. I sometimes see those giant um, um, shipping containers Um, as I'm walking along kind of Teesport area or around the river. And uh, I wonder, I often wonder what's in them. Maybe there's diamonds in them or just slippers or machinery or clothes. Who knows? Because actually those shipping containers, if you remember them, they all look the same, often battered and dented and scrappy. Yet despite looking like that on the outside, what makes them valuable? What makes them precious and unique? is actually what they carry on the inside. Jubilee, listen, we have this treasure, God the Holy Spirit in jars of clay, ordinary pots, all battered containers, dented scrappy on the outside, to show this all-surpassing power, dunamis dynamite power, is from God and not from us. That's what Corinthians says. Andrew Wilson writes on this, this is what, he says this, this is one of the most hope-filled analogies in all of scripture because it shows that although we are unimpressive and unexceptional vessels, our lives and ministries are given eternal significance by the surpassing worth of the cargo we carry. I love that. That's you if you love Jesus. That could be you if you want to give your life to Jesus today. It's a no-brainer, isn't it? And so that's why we're looking at Ephesians. It's like the espresso of concentrated truth and truth, truth upon truth about you. In fact, we together, all of us who are in Christ. So let's read the passage today street bible remember just to wake you all up you guys were spiritual corpses murdered by the mess the transgressions the trespasses the sins that you that run your lives you went with the flow you weren't going god's way so you let the boss of the spiritual word, world dictate your every move like some mafia godfather. I'm not going to unpack that bit this week. We'll deal with that in Ephesians 6. We all did it. We merged with the crowd, pumped our bodies with whatever our dark side fancied at the time. We were brainwashed as the rest of them. But God, but God loves us so passionately that he, us, that he gave us some slack and let the liberator Jesus resuscitate us, bring us alive from our spirit, uh, bring us alive up from our spiritual side that has been throttled by our mess. This God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Free, no charge, a gift, God's OTT generosity is what straightened you out and me out. Sorted your lives, brought you back to life like he did with the liberator, Jesus. And now we're sitting right next to him in heaven. Why? So that he can brag about our lives, show us off as prime examples of the phenomenal value of his freebies, use us as exhibits A to Z of his generosity to us, just because we're connected. With the liberator Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. What straightened you out isn't down to you. There's nothing you've done that sorted your life. No, it's all God's generosity that's done it. You've just taken him at his word. And even your ability to do that comes direct and free of charge from him. If it were linked to how you lived, you'd end up shouting your mouth out about how brilliant you are. No, we're God's masterpieces. Liberator Jesus qualifies us to be made from scratch, to make good things happen, things he's planned already for us to get stuck into. So over the next few minutes, let's meander, shall we, through this passage. Firstly, really obvious in your face, you were dead. Thank you, Paul. Pleased to meet you too. You were spiritual corpses murdered by the mess that runs your life. Sin. In order to know the good news, we need to ponder on the bad news, don't we? If you're a Christian here this morning, this is talking about how you were. If you're not a Christian listening to this today, it's highlighting your present reality, how you are now. You see, you weren't drowning and needed someone to chuck you in a life jacket. You weren't just sick and needed someone to rehab you in some way. You weren't kind of, um, you you weren't this full and needed filling right up to the top. You weren't just sleepy and needed someone to shake you up and wake you up. No, the Bible says, Jesus says, God says you were dead, totally dead, lifeless and you were dead, it says, because of what you followed. You went with the flow. you weren't going God's way. What you followed mastered and controlled you, Other the translations talk about. And that way of life, although you might have thought was exciting and pleasure, pleasure, pleasurable, and maybe advancing you in some form or another for a while, it was actually killing you, dead. In Tolkien's a devout Christian Tolkien, uh, in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings trilogy, that's who Gollum is, if you remember the film. Gee, Jesh wouldn't sleep for days when he first met Gollum on screen. Gollum is like a walking zombie who spent his whole life holding on to this ring of power. My precious. Even though it rotted him and corrupted him from the inside out. He was enslaved, obsessed, addicted that's what sin does to us the bible you know packs it doesn't 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 cut the corners you see christianity is about getting down on your knees and making yourself small enough um um uh, small enough humble enough to see the truth of how you were to get through the cat flap and enter into the mansion of god's truth Hope and joy. Martin Luther, the great Reformation leader, said the human heart is incurvatus in se. What the heck does that mean? Well, it literally means curved in on itself, self-centered, me, me, me. That's what kills you. This curved in nature dictates your every move like some mafia godfather. Get the point? you were dead and actually knowing that uh, affects how you live today and how grateful you are for his amazing grace that's the second point then what does it say God loves you so passionately he gave us some slack I think that's a weak bit of translation and let Jesus resuscitate you actually make you alive Uh, resuscitate you You who had been throttled by your mess, your sin, your curved in on yourself life. This God who is rich in mercy made you alive with Christ even when you were dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really mean this. There is not a day that goes by when I don't thank God for raising me from the deadness of my life. And my deadness looked pretty bad. And this is the big deal, isn't it? The big difference, the big idea that makes Christianity different from everything else. It's all free, no charge, a gift, God's OTT generosity. It's what Rob Lacey writes in in the Street Bible. When I have conversations with my friends, they don't get this. (coughs) They, (coughs) They think most religions are approximately the same. A few little differences here and there, but essentially about a God who wants to be worshipped and calls us to live in a certain way. And if you don't, if you don't live in that way, you don't get to heaven. Actually, that's not a bad, it's a reasonable description of what my Muslim brothers and sisters think. Islam, even those who think they're not religious, kind of think that way, too. Their, Their meaning and success and progress in life. Is all about what they did and do. A kind of balancing scale between the good and the bad stuff that we've done. But actually, other faiths are different. Again, Buddhists don't believe in a personal God. Hindus don't believe uh, that you go to heaven when you die, as do most pagans. All paths do not lead to one God. We try and be inclusive and peaceful by saying dumb things like that. But actually, it's offensive to most of us. Don't do it. And if someone says that to you, ask them lovingly, sensitively, what do they mean? How do you know that? And then tell them how Jesus is different and makes all the difference. Because we don't believe that the reason you and me get to have friendship with God or have a place in heaven or have eternal life has got anything to do with what you did or I did. Otherwise, I'd be stuffed my behavior, your behavior doesn't save us at all. Christians believe that salvation, eternal life, blessing, purpose comes to you because of the way someone else lived, their life, who their, their life, how they died in our place and rose again to make dead corpses breathe again. <gasps> Jesus, God himself, The phenomenal value of his freebies, or he exhibits A to Z of his generosity to us. That's who you are. The amazing grace, unmerited, undeserved, un-everything else, God's riches at Christ's expense. But as I was reading this, I felt some of you, for some of you, this has resulted in you keeping away from that which you have been saved from. And I get that. You don't want to go back there, some of you. Why would you? But listen, the truths of God in Ephesians are not just for you, but are there in you, but are are, are there to be in you and go out from you to bring transformation to those around you. That is so important. Paul's letters are never just personal letters. They're for the world. They're for the church. They're for everybody out there. Remember, we talked about your shape. Some of you might want to forget that at the discipline at the uh, at the disciple frontline course, how God made you specifically what he wanted you to do. Things he planned already for you to get stuck into. Remember your shape, unique spiritual gifts, heart desires, abilities, individual personalities and experiences. I believe this next season is a season where God is calling you to go back to the nations from where you've come from. Now, don't all start packing your bags. I don't mean traveling on a plane or getting on a boat and riding back to Afghanistan, Iran, Nigeria, India, wherever. Those nations, Jubilee, are on your doorstep. They're right amongst us in communities all around us. Like Moshtaba, who back home in Iran was brought up to dislike and keep away from Afghanis. But God changed all that. In church, he was surrounded by Afghani brothers. God's funny like that. Even more funny, though, the same God who also, also gave him a job working with even more Afghanis surrounding him. But as the power of the gospel started taking hold of his life, he gradually grew to see. Afghani's with God's eyes, my own flesh and blood. God says, He didn't make that happen. That's for sure. God did. We are building multicolored church jubilee here. Bless Anne who came to our prayer meeting a few weeks ago, spoke at our Christ Central leadership prayer uh, Christ Central leadership prayer meeting about how God brought those tragic final words of George Floyd. Suffocating under the knee of a Minneapolis police officer. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. It brought those words alive to him so much so that he felt that God, that was God's word to the church. Consciously or subconsciously, we are creating churches where others can't breathe. But God, in his dunamis power, is breathing life back into the church, multicolored church. As Blessan said, God is not building an Indian buffet church where there are lots of different choices, all nicely compartmentalised into this section and that section, a bit of this over there, a bit of that over there. No, he is building a salad bowl church where it's all mixed in, where the flavours and the colours fuse and form together, bringing about a fresh, tasty, healthy life-bringing dish. A year on, as we remember the sinfulness and disgrace of racism, we rise to the opportunity that God has brought to the table now. Not because it's all the rage at the moment, not because it's politically correct. No, we are building multicolored church here in Jubilee, because that's the only church there is beautiful difference in the midst of glorious oneness. Friends, brothers, sisters from other nations, listen, you are key, key, key to this. Question, how will God send you back into those communities? Rejoicing, welcoming, inspiring as you go. Mushtaba, Elham, Jasim, Chris, Ola, Hannah, Alice, Jobba, Andy, Jen, Karen, Sarah, Derek, Sharon, Milad, Arslan, Sasan, others, others, others amongst you. God is calling you to make personal changes that, that set the rest of the church on fire. God is breathing over you, into you right now. This is on the table for good here. On Tuesday, one year after the death of George Floyd, this coming Tuesday, some of us got together uh, to uh, record Dr. Martin Luther King's Jr.'s letter from Birmingham City Jail, where he responded to eight white Alabama uh, clergymen who were unhappy with his nonviolent protests and marches against segregation and injustice in Birmingham, Alabama, in the 60s. Can I encourage you to watch it and pray and also share it widely? The church, without a doubt, is the best and most effective community to the city from changing it from the inside out. And this letter has so much gospel truth written by a passionate Christian who made his faith operate in action. Finally, what also stands out to me. Is just how much effort Paul is putting into making it crystal clear that God's salvation happened, that uh, that God's salvation happens not through you. Yes, he's told us he loves us so passionately. He gave us some slack. He made us alive. But then he spends a few lines. Some people would say, "Why bother? Unnecessarily, maybe." He spends the next few lines to say, "And you didn't." Did you notice that? What straightened you out isn't down to you. There's nothing you've done that sorted your life out. No, it's all God's generosity that's done it. You've just taken him at his word. And even your ability to do that comes direct from him. If it were linked to how you lived, you'd end up shouting your mouth out and boasting. No, we're God's masterpiece. As I was reading this, it really reminded me of Gideon's battle as I've been contemplating that over the last few months. You can read the whole thing in the book of Judges, sinfulness at its peak in human history. And in the midst of this debauchery and depravity, Gideon is chosen by God. And Gideon's response isn't not, hey, let's do this, God, I'm up for it. It's actually loads of excuses why God's got it wrong. (coughs) He's chosen the wrong man. But despite all this, God sends his angel and says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, mighty warrior. Who on earth are you talking about, is Gideon's thinking? Have you been to spec recently? This is Roger's paraphrase, by the way. And not only that, God commissions Gideon to go in the strength you have, zero, and save Israel out of Midian's hands to hero. Am I not sending you, says God? That reminds me of Leonard Cohen's song, Anthem, or the chorus, the bit in the middle. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Jubilee, God is saying over you, asking the big question, telling you, am I not sending you? And if that's not scary enough, just before the battle, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I can't afford Midian, I can't I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. From 32,000, God whittles them down to 300 men. No swords, no axes, no shields, no tools even. Just some fairy lights and jam jars and musical instruments. Really helpful. But that's the point, Jubilee. Am I not sending you to walk by faith and not by sight? To be obedient to him beyond reason. He wants us to know that revival comes in prayer and intercession, that worship and joyous obedience is what makes Christian communities effective in God. Simple Christianity without frills and spills. I remember Mona, remember Mona, saying to us at Big Group some years ago, uh, but it's always stuck, really. She said, before we can walk with Jesus, we must learn to sit with him, calm and quiet, as Jodie said. Often people ask me, what can I do for the church? What can I do to help kingdom advance? And over the years, I've said many things and I've dished out many jobs. But what I wished I'd have said is, first of all, make sure you're there on a Sunday. Be a regular at your community group come to our prayer times regularly, contribute and be encouraging and pray out, bring solid fruit from God to us so that we can all taste and see that he is good. Because if in those simple settings, you get so infused and set alight by the power of God, the power of Jesus's presence in the midst of Christian togetherness, the faith of God's people, the transformative dynamis of his word, then you'll set fires all over the place, inside and outside of the church. You won't won't need to be asking the question. Simple Christianity. Jesus says to you and me, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus, therefore you go. Simple Christianity, friends, is about hearing God and doing what he says. Hearing God, and doing what he says. Take heed of the prophets. uh, Take heed of our prophets in Jubilee and outside Jubilee. They stop the church from marrying the spirit of the age. Silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you, said Peter. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Power. Jubilee, our God is a jealous God. That description of Yahweh is right in the middle of the 10 commandments for a reason. He is jealous for us. He doesn't want you and me flirting with other gods. Joshua 24, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. It's a decision. But as for me and my household, we, you Jubilee, will serve the Lord. Don't know if you've noticed, uh, but that's what's etched on Bindu, Bidu, Sam and Sharon's wall for all of us to see. It reminds us, as for me, I'm going to worship this God. When you are alive to Christ, that's what it looks like. Crazy love, bold faith, extraordinary welcome, church without walls, eye-popping generosity, barrier-busting friendships and community, the long arm of compassion, fire starters in God. We rejoice, we welcome, we inspire jubilee, we go. Terry Virgo writes of the Gideon story, the angel of the Lord, whose mere breath could have destroyed the whole of Midian unaided, was selecting his chosen instrument you and me 2 corinthians 5 therefore jubilee if anyone is in christ which if you trust and cherish him you are the new creation has come it's there now in you the old has gone the new is here let's live in the new As we emerge from lockdown, let's live out our in Christ lives like never before, passionately, boldly, confidently. Let's worship this God who saved us, who brought the dead alive. Thanks for listening.